Is there something in your life that you would like to change? Perhaps it's a bad habit. Man, I just watch too much TV. I want to quit watching so much TV. I'm on social media all the time. I can't take my phone out without looking at social media. Um, I'd like to quit smoking. I'd like to quit hitting the snooze alarm so much in the morning. I wish I wasn't late all the time. Maybe it's your temper. You lose control and then you say or you do things that you know you shouldn't. Maybe at work, it could be while you're driving, it could be with your family or your spouse, your parents, your kids. And then later on you regret it. Well, you regret all except the driving part, you know. That jerk deserved that gesture. Um, or maybe it's with your health. You're thinking, man, there's some things in my, with my health I would like to change. I'd like to eat right. I'd like to eat less. I'd like to exercise. I'd like to get more sleep. Perhaps it's with your emotions. You know, um, you struggle with anger or anxiety or depression. or You've been holding this grudge and that, that bitterness you can tell is affecting you. And it's eating away at you. In fact, you've noticed how it's just spilled out into other relationships. Maybe it's with like a negative perception you have of yourself or just negative thinking. Uh, so you always see the glass as half empty. And you assume that you're just going to be disappointed. And it's holding you back because you're even afraid to make decisions because you're like, well, I'll probably just make the wrong decision again. I remember a guy told me once, I always assume the worst, that way I'll never be disappointed. I thought, man, what a tough way to live, huh? Or maybe it's with the, your perception of yourself, your self-image, your self-worth. Maybe you just feel like you've got to do or look or act a certain way in order for people to like you. Maybe you struggle with forgiving yourself. Something happened in the past. It happened years ago. And if you could go back and change that, you would, but you can't. And it's self-defeating for you. It just keeps beating you up. And you'd like to move on, but you're struggling to do that. Could even be with your relationship with God. You know, maybe it's your perception of God. Like, He's probably out to get me based on what I've done. Or how could God love me? I mean, how could He love me unconditionally? There's just no way He would do that with me. And so it keeps you from having a close relationship with God. So how do you change that stuff in your life? Well, the Bible is really clear on how change takes place in our lives. And I actually have good news for you this morning, because God is all about change. He wants you to be able to change for the better. If you are a follower of Jesus, He actually wants to change you so you can become more like Jesus. And when you become a follower of Jesus, He gives you His Spirit so that that change can begin to take place inside of you as you surrender yourself to Him. So, how and where does change happen? Well, sometimes a visual helps. So, so let me show you. You know... We'll start with our thoughts, and our thoughts determine our feelings, and our feelings determine our actions. 
Now, a lot of times when we want to change, we focus right here. We start here, and we think this is where change needs to occur. So, for example, we go, I lose my cool too much, so I just need to take a few deep breaths first. That's a do step. That's an action step. And we haven't thought back through it to say, what is driving that? Or often, our feelings are based on something that we don't even know. So, for example, why do I feel this way? What is driving that? Have you ever noticed how two different people can react or feel differently about the exact same situation or the exact same person? Why is that? It's because they think differently about that person or situation, so it drives how they feel. Like, like have you ever noticed, do you ever have someone in your life that just sets you off? And they can say something, and it triggers this emotion inside of you, whereas you got someone else, and if they said that to them, it would be no big deal. Well, what's going on there? It's how you think about that person. Let me give you an example of what I mean. You've probably heard it rumored that Tom Brady might become the quarterback of the Colts next year. Now, okay, I was going to ask you how that made you feel, but you didn't even give me a chance. But let me go ahead and ask anyway. How would you feel if Tom Brady became the quarterback of the Colts next year? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Now, why is that? It's what's driving those feelings are what you think, your thoughts, about the New England Patriots, or about Tom Brady, or about how much air you think should be in a football, right? (laughs) That's what's driving those feelings. Now, what if Tom Brady came to the Colts, and for the next two years, he led them to Super Bowl championships, both years? Many of you would begin to feel differently about Tom Brady because you would think differently at that point. And I know what some of you are thinking. There is no way I would feel differently. I won't even root for the Colts if he can. But you see, what is behind feelings are what we think. So we often see an action or a result. We see that in others or in ourselves And so often what we try to do is change the action without realizing what is driving that action. For example, we say things about other people we know we shouldn't say. So we think, man, I need to keep my mouth shut in situations like that. But what we don't realize is what is below the surface. It's a desire to feel significant by tearing others down. Or we have an underlying bitterness from a past hurt or a relationship, and it just spews out in gossip with others. You know, like they often say, hurt people hurt people. Or we recognize a critical spirit in ourselves, so we think, I need to quit criticizing so much. And what we don't realize is what's driving that is because we can't accept God's unconditional love or acceptance in our own lives. So we're never at peace. We're never satisfied. And as a result, we criticize others. Or we have financial problems, we're in debt, but we just keep spending. And our solution to deal with financial pressures is the adrenaline rush of a new purchase. Go figure, you know. A new phone, a new outfit, a new set of golf clubs, a new fishing pole, a new motorcycle, a vacation. But what we don't see is an underlying issue of discontentedness in our lives. We lack 
contentment, but we don't know how to find it. Or we're grumpy all the time. We know we are. And we keep spewing our cranky attitude on everybody around us, especially those we love the most. And even when it happens, we think to ourselves, I wish I hadn't acted that way. I wish I hadn't said that. i got to quit that. But in the moment, it just comes out. But we're not addressing the root issue like depression because we haven't dealt with some past painful emotions, some past experiences. Or you see someone who's trying to impress others. You know, they name drop, they try to impress you with how successful they are, what they've achieved, how important they are, and you end up not even wanting to be around them. And you wonder, why are they like that? And what's often below the surface is insecurity. Or we don't understand why we seem so anxious, we're stressed, we don't sleep well, it's hard to relax, and we even have to deal with an occasional panic attack. And we think, I just need to relax. I need to take deep breaths. But underlying that are unresolved issues. And we might not even be able to identify them. We see actions. We see results. So we try to change it at the action level. Unfortunately, trying to change actions without knowing what's driving them, what the root issue is, will only lead to futility and frustration. We cycle right back to the same patterns. It's self-defeating, and it can even end up giving you a feeling of hopelessness. So here's what we need to understand. Behind every action, or what we do, is a feeling. Feelings drive our actions. I'm trying to impress others because I feel insecure. I gossip about others because I feel insignificant. My spending is out of control because I feel dissatisfied. I have a critical negative spirit because I have unresolved feelings of anger. But what controls your feelings are your thoughts. And your thoughts are the control center for your life. So if you can learn to think differently, true change can result. Now, this isn't my idea. And this isn't the idea of some brilliant psychologist. This comes directly from God. The Bible's been saying this for centuries. Listen to Romans 12.2 in the Bible. It says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform or change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let God transform you into a new person, not by doing something different, not by feeling a certain way, but by changing the way you think. In other words, God transforms us. He changes us in our minds by changing the way we think. How we think will determine how we feel, and how we feel will determine what I do. How many remote controls do you have in your house? Just do a quick count in your head and think about it. I googled it and just what the average number of remote controls in a household is. And some said three, four, I I don't believe that. Others said ten. So I started counting those in our house. In our living room alone, um, we have a remote control for the TV. We have a remote control for the TV service. We have a Blu-ray remote, we have a soundbar remote, 
And of course, if I want to control the TV with my phone, I can do that too. So let's go ahead and count that as remote as well. So there's, there's at least five right there, just in our living room. And you know, we have other TVs in the house. They have remotes. We have garage door remotes. And I could just keep counting. Remotes tell electronic devices what to do. They serve as a control center. How many of you remember life before remote controls? Yeah, so some of you are as old as I am. Yeah, you actually remember that. Remember when you actually had to get up off the couch, walk across the room to change a TV channel? That's why you had your kids do it, right? That's why we had so many kids back then. We actually sat through commercials even at times and watched them just because we didn't want to have to get up and change the channel. Um, Your brain, or your thoughts, your brain is the remote control for your life. What you think is eventually what you'll do. You push buttons in your brains and that controls what you do. That's why the Bible says what it says. That's Um, Why It says that God changes or transforms us by changing the way we think. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to unpack Romans 12 too. I've studied this verse in the Bible and thought about it probably for close to 40 years. And I still think I'm discovering the richness and the depth of this verse. So here are four principles for change that come from this incredible verse in the Bible. Here's the first one. Don't be like everybody else. Romans 12.2 starts out saying, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You don't have to accept that this is just the way it's going to be. No. God's specialty is making you into a new and different person. One who is becoming more like Jesus. And He gives you the power to do that through His Spirit. So you can change the way you think. And if you don't have God in your life, you can make some changes to some extent, but oftentimes those require good old-fashioned willpower, you know, or some principles that are shared in a book like Atomic Habits. And by the way, there are a lot of good principles like that, and they can work. But probably this isn't going to bring about change from the inside out, or you may not be able to sustain it. Trying to change is hard, especially when you're trying to do it on your own. Have you ever remodeled your house or done a home project? I think there are some natural laws for home projects. And you can't ignore them, you can't violate them, you can't overcome them. Let me share them with you. The first one is this. It will always take longer than you think. Um, when I plan a home project and I figure up about how long it will take me, before I start, I just double that time. I had a guy tell me once who's more handy, more mechanical than I was, that he usually triples it. So that's a well, first rule. Second rule is this for doing home projects. It will always cost more than you think. I mean, have you ever heard anybody... Say, yeah, I was doing this home project, and man, I came in way under budget. Here's a third natural law. It will always be messier than you think. If you're remodeling, the house becomes chaotic, everything's out of place, everything is dirty. And finally, 
it will always lead to the question, what were we thinking? But once you're done, you look back and you say, oh, it's worth it. Because in the end, you see the change. You see the results. But it's hard to see that in the middle. All you see is mess and chaos. It doesn't feel like it's worth it at the time. And that's often how change can feel. And that's why it's so important to let God be the reason and the catalyst for change in your life. You don't have to accept that you will always be like this. You don't have to live like everybody else. Here's a second principle going back to Romans 12.2. It's this. Surrender control to God. The key to genuine lasting change is surrender. You know, we often think, I've got to have more willpower. I need to be more disciplined. When we read Romans 12, it says we need to surrender control. It says let God transform you into a new person. You have to let God work in and through you. And that requires surrender. God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm okay with it. God, however you want to go about it, I'm good with that. God, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do. God, nothing is off limits in my life. I'm yours. Now what we're reading here in Romans 12 was originally written in Greek. And the word transform, which we've read, the word that's talking about change, is actually a Greek word that, it's the Greek word metamorphosis. And we recognize that word because we've adopted it into English. It's the process, the scientific process, where a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. You know, think about it. One day a caterpillar stops eating hangs itself upside down from a twig or a leaf, and spins itself into a cocoon. And within that protective casing, that caterpillar actually transforms itself and emerges as a butterfly. Now, I don't know of a more amazing transformational process than that. And, you know, if you put a caterpillar and a butterfly side by side, you would never imagine that that caterpillar would eventually become a butterfly. That's the kind of change God wants to bring about in your life. Not incremental change, not short-lived change, not just change on the you know, outer change. It's becoming a completely different person, a new person. This is dramatic change. This is not like taking a dog to the groomer and getting it cleaned up, you know, bathed, trimmed, and a bow in its hair. I'm not a fan of the bows and dogs' hairs, by the way. The change we're talking about is like changing from a dog to a dolphin. It's complete change. It's metamorphosis. Now, how does that happen? The secret is given in the next phrase of Romans 12.2. It leads to our third principle, which is this. Speak truth to your mind. Some researchers say that we may speak as many as a thousand words per minute to ourselves. Now obviously we can think conceptually, so we can think much more quickly than we can speak words. But if that's true, that's about 17 words per second. So self-talk is real, and we all do it. In fact, you're doing it right now. 
unless you've dozed off, which is a possibility. Um, Every moment you're awake, you are talking to yourself. What you say to yourself determines what you think. In fact, self-talk is our thoughts. And remember, our thoughts determine our feelings, and our feelings determine our actions. So how do we change? We change by what we say to ourselves. Or we let God speak through our self-talk. That's why Romans 12, that's what Romans 12.2 means when it says in that phrase, the next phrase, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Literally, this phrase, change the way you think, means to make your mind new again. That's actually a pretty cool picture, isn't it? A brand new mind. And if you have a brand new mind, you think differently. And as you think differently, you ultimately act and live differently. God's way of making you into a new person is by changing the way you think. In other words, what He does is He begins to infuse truth into your life. When you're thinking wrongly, you are believing a lie or you're being deceived. When you give in to temptation, you're being deceived. Oh, this is what I want. Man, I need this. This will be so much fun. It will be the best thing. But in the end, we find out that we were lying to ourselves. When you try to impress others or pretend you're someone you're not, you're believing a lie. You're believing that what others think is more important than what God thinks. Remember what Jesus said? The truth will set you free. So what you have to do is you have to speak truth to yourself. Why do I have a critical spirit? Because it makes me feel better about myself to put other people down. I'm the one with the problem. I need to realize who I am in God's eyes and accept that. I can rest in that. The Bible says that God loved me so much He sent His Son Jesus into the world to die for me. Why do I try to impress others? Well, because apparently what they think of me matters more to me than what God thinks of me. I am never more loved or valued than I am by God. And I need to continually remind myself of my worth in God's eyes so I don't concern myself with what others think. After all, Ephesians 2.10 in the Bible tells me that I am God's masterpiece. He has created me anew in Christ Jesus. Why am I grumpy all the time? Because underlying my cranky spirit is ongoing depression because I haven't dealt with some pain in my past. God wants me to face the pain of my past so He can bring healing. He will use that pain of my past not only to bring growth in my life, but possibly even to help others. You know, James 1, 2, and 3 says that I can find joy when troubles come my way because God uses them to grow my character. Why am I out of control in my spending? Why can't I rein in my debt and live within my means? Because the heart of the issue is discontentedness. Because I believe the lie that if I have more or better or newer, it'll make me happier. But God makes it clear in the Bible that the secret of contentment is my relationship with Christ. Finding my purpose in Him. Each time those deceptive thoughts pop into your mind, each time you catch yourself thinking wrongly, replace it with truth. It's the principle of remove and replace. 
remove the wrong thoughts and replace them with the new ones, the true ones. When you do that, that's when you begin to see transformation take place. For example, here's what the Bible says. This is Philippians 4.8. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Constantly keep your thoughts focused on the right things. Now you may say, well, how do I do that? Let me give you five practical ways to do that. Here's the first. Read your Bible every day. I would encourage you to use the Ridge Reading Challenge. The Ridge Reading Challenge is formatted so that you just read a few verses from the Bible every day. Check out your bulletins for information on that. It's in there today. And if you don't like to read it, listen to it. Um, there's an amazing app that you can download. It's free. It's called Version. And you not only read your Bible, it has an audio version on it if you want to listen to it. Second practical way is to have quiet times. And what we mean by that is just set aside a few minutes every day to think about what you've read in your Bible and to pray. I mean, just that alone could be transformational in your life. Third thing, listen to Christian music. Infuse your mind with truth through music. A while ago, some time ago, I saw someone post on social media who was going through an incredibly difficult time. And just about every post on social media was a song, a Christian song, that they were running through their minds just to keep themselves centered. Another one, choose your friends carefully. Make sure you have friends that will build you up, encourage you, speak truth to you, and give you wise advice. And one more, make church attendance a priority. Make a commitment to be in church every week, or almost every week. Why? Because we need that weekly infusion of truth that comes through the music and through the sermons. Remember, what you feed your mind will determine your thoughts, your thoughts will determine your feelings, and in turn, determine your actions. Have you ever swum in the ocean? You can jump into the water along the beach, and if you're not paying attention, inevitably the current will carry you down the beach. And you don't even know what's happening. You know, you can be out in the ocean and you look up and you're like 100 feet from where your stuff is up there on the beach. You need a mark on the beach to make sure you don't drift or you won't even realize you're drifting. That's what truth does in our lives to our thinking. It's an anchor. It keeps us focused. It keeps us on course. And when you remove and replace when you have that infusion of truth in your life, then you begin to change. Your behavior is different. You act differently. So Romans 12.2 concludes by saying this, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So the fourth principle is this, enjoy the results. You begin to enjoy life as God intends you to. You know what is true, you're now thinking differently so you can live with some peace and contentment and joy in your life. Resting in the love and acceptance of your Heavenly Father. You know, Jesus said in John 10.10, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what awaits you as transformation begins to take place in your life. Let's pray. God, my prayer is that each one of us would just allow you to do your transformational work in our lives. Thank you for being so committed to changing us, changing us for the better, 
changing us to be more like Jesus. And my prayer is that we would just be open to that, that we would surrender ourselves to that, so that you can make us new, that you can make our minds new. We can begin differently. And my prayer is that each of us would surrender you so that that can happen from the inside out. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.